This is the Transcend Human Podcast, a weekly show where we learn what it means to rise above the human condition. We hope the conversation today is just what you need for the week ahead. Right. Yes, here we are back again. Transcend Human Podcast. Great to be with you. Episode 110, if you're a counting person. Um, otherwise, April 11th, 2022. Like I said, welcome back to the podcast. We have a fun one here today. At least I think it's fun. Um, but before we do that, um, let's just dive into our minute of transparency. And uh, I'm going to call this one, did the internet just go down again? Question mark. So I'm just going to dive right in and I'm going to be transparent about one of my first world problems, which is internet access or the lack thereof, right? Which is interesting when you think about it because I'm over 50 years old. So I grew up without the internet. I grew up without laptops, cell phones, as many of you did. I lived outside, I rode bikes, I played sports. So this whole internet thing really didn't even impact my life until college. Um, I still remember my first computer. It was a big, bulky, compact desktop, right? A huge monitor and a CPO box that was under the table, slow as molasses. I mean, we probably thought it was pretty fast back then, but really slow, right? And then you had AOL dial-up for internet, right? It made all the funny connection noises, the all that stuff, you know, and then when it finally connected, it said, you've got mail. It's crazy to think how long ago that was, right? And it's crazy to think how long we would sit there and wait for our computers to connect to the internet. And then how long it took for web pages to load because of internet speed or because the images on the page were just too big or um, God forbid you had video on your on your web page. It was never going to load, right? And we had what was called an internet session. So it was like this period of time where you logged in, you did your thing, and then you logged out, right? You actually disconnected from the internet. Crazy considering how we connect today, which is we're always connected, right? We're always on until it's not. Of course, which brings me back to my original first world problem. Hey, did the internet go down again? That's one of those crazy little questions I ask on a regular basis. And so do my family members. Just out of the blue, working away and all of a sudden, no internet. Or watching something on Netflix and all of a sudden you get the spinning red little circle, right? So it is what it is. When you work from home, when you're here all the time and you're connected all the time, you start to notice that the internet has hiccups. It has problems, whether it's the actual internet that's coming to your home, or whether it's your Wi-Fi router, or whether it's your computer, who knows? But for some reason, the internet goes down for a few seconds, and then it reboots, something changes, boom, and it's back. And for me, since I work from home, this is pretty much my life all day, every day. So from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m., it's often up writing for the podcast. Uh, 
from eight to five, it's doing my regular eight to five job. And then in the evening, it's things like surfing the web or streaming content on TV. So when the internet service is disrupted, it usually interrupts something you're doing. Now, undoubtedly, people will look at this in a couple of different ways, right? Some view it as a frustrating part of life in the 21st century, a normal thing we must deal with while living life in the modern world. While others might look at this as a stereotypical first world problem, suggesting that it's just a problem we made for ourselves and that we're full of ourselves for placing that much importance on it at all. And then there's people who probably believe a little bit of both to be true. For me, I'm probably one of those middle grounders. I believe a little bit of both. On the one hand, I see the power of the internet, right? It's what I do for a living. It's what's allowed me to create Transcend Human and the Transcend Human podcast. It lets us stay connected with family and friends at a moment's notice, and it allows us to consume all sorts of fun content. But at the same time, I can also see the negative. I can see the fact that we've built a monster, one that's basically taken over almost every aspect of our lives, right? Just look back at life in the 1960s and life now. It's jarring to think how quickly we moved from then to now. Today, people everywhere are walking around staring down at these small little screens in their hands for huge chunks of their day. It's almost like the picture painted in the Matrix series, right? The movie series where people are hooked up to this fake life in order to be controlled. Uh, you know, And some people are able to see it for what it is and get out of it somehow. Uh, but for everyone else, they're just walking around blind to the fact that they're living in the Matrix. You almost get that feeling today right? Like if the internet went down for a week, there would be mass pandemonium. People going around with digital withdrawal, people looking looking up with their sore necks, blinded by the brightness of the sun and trying to figure out what to do next in life. But I digress. Just a window into my brain and how I see the world these days. So that's my first world problem to get us started. But let's jump into our content which, obviously enough, is transcending first world problems. Today, we're going to walk through how many worlds are there, the problems with the first world, and first world problems and the controversy. Number one, how many worlds are there? So where did we come up with this whole term first world and third world, right? And the bigger question is, why don't we talk about the second world? Where did it go? Well, when these terms were coined, there were three worlds. According to History.com, these terms originated during the Cold War in an effort to explain the various countries in the world and how they were interconnected. So the first world included the United States and all of her allies. The second world was actually the Soviet Union and the associated Eastern European countries. And then the third world was every other country, all the other developing countries that didn't fit into one of those two camps. So interesting, right? When the Soviet Union fell apart, so did the term second world. And we moved into a new definition of the world, one that really only included first and third. So today, the first world now defines the countries that are modern or technologically advanced. And the third world developing countries that haven't had access or haven't accessed technology the way that we have, and they remain in the lower to middle income type countries. Now, the shift in definition isn't welcomed by everyone. 
In fact, most third world countries hate this title. They look at it as a slang term, a term of oppression and disrespect, which I totally get, but that's not our topic for today. I'm simply explaining the progression of the term so that we understand where we get the phrase first world problem. So it's really based on this newer definition of the worlds, right? The idea that there are modern countries and developing countries. And that the problems people experience in the first world don't even exist in the third world, most likely. Take my internet access example. To me, it's a problem because I have to stop working and I can't check my Instagram feed. But to the Amerindian or an indigenous person living along the Amazon River in Brazil or Peru, the internet isn't even a part of their lives, so it can't be a problem for them. So that should help us with our definition. First world problems are problems that people in other parts of the world don't even understand. And we can infer that first world problems are problems that we created for ourselves. In other words, they are problems that exist because we created space for them to exist. We created the environment or the ecosystem or the structure in order for them to exist. Couple examples. If we didn't create the internet, If we didn't create Wi-Fi, we wouldn't have problems with it going out on us. If we didn't create cell phones, we wouldn't have the problem of them going dead and us having to find a charger immediately. And if we didn't create toilet paper, we wouldn't be freaking out when it becomes hard to get during a pandemic. See where I'm going with all that? Now, just to be 100% thorough, let's pull the official definition from dictionary.com. So a first world problem is defined as a fairly minor problem, a frustrating situation, or a complaint associated with a relatively high standard of living, as opposed to the more serious problems associated with poverty. Example, I'm bored with all of my electronic gadgets, such a first world problem. Number two, the problem with the first world So now that we know where the phrase came from and why we use it, what's next? I mean, we kind of view it as a negative thing. When we hear somebody complaining about something super insignificant, we say, oh my word, that's such a first world problem. What we're really saying is, you're spoiled rotten, you're ridiculous, and you need to get some perspective in your life. Pretty negative, right? But that's the problem with the first world. We live in it. It's the environment we find ourselves in. It's the culture, it's the ecosystem. It's the matrix, if you will. So we can't really bash people when they complain about something trivial because we've done it to ourselves. At one point in time, we felt the same way. And at some point in the future, we may feel the same way again. So let's say you're having a really bad day and you start complaining about something just as trivial. Someone may walk up to you and say, oh my word, that's such a first world problem. I still remember learning this the hard way. I was uh, I was the web director at a church in the Midwest at the time, uh, and I was feeling less than seen, I think, at the time. So the IT department had decided to go multi-platform, and for us that meant supporting both Macs and PCs at the church for the staff. So the IT department started buying all sorts of new Apple products in order to test them out, right? Test them out against the church's internet, the exchange servers, the internet, the intranet all of those things. And let's let's just be honest, I was jealous. So 
the straw that broke the camel's back was a, was a meeting that I attended, and I believe one of the IT members was sitting there with a MacBook Pro, a MacBook Air, two iPads, and their iPhone, literally all open at the same time and being used. Again, jealous, right? Man, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. So later in the day, I mentioned this to my boss in a kind of snarky way. I said, it would be really nice if the communication department could spend money like that on tech. She looked me dead in the eye and she said, do you want me to call the wambulance? The wah, wah, wambulance? First off, it took me a while for it to register. I mean, I'd never heard that term before. But once I put two and two together, I was conflicted. Did you just call me a baby? My ego was immediately bruised, and my first thought was to push back and rationalize my request. But I didn't. I just stood there because I had to admit to myself she was right. She followed up with, have you ever asked for new tech? I mean, is it something that we worked into our budget, or is it something that we can work into our budget? And if so, submit the request, and we'll see what we can do. Needless to say, that's a hard story to tell because I got called out for focusing on a first world problem and one with a pretty simple solution at that. Funny though, I can still recall that conversation today, probably because it was a learning moment, a a growth spurt where I went from viewing the world one way to viewing it another way, a more mature way. Of course, I'm not 100% cured of complaining or focusing on first world problems, but hopefully I'm not where I was at back then. Okay, just for fun, I did a Google search for the most ridiculous first world problems, so let's just look at a few of these before we move on. I found these on cbsnews.com. I'm trying to text while I'm at a red light, but I keep making all the greens. The conveyor belt at Walmart isn't turned on tonight, so I had to move my items toward the scanner by myself. I know I should evacuate my, my apartment, but what if somebody else's blog is the first to publish histomatic shots of the hurricane hitting my neighborhood? I want to be there to see it. My dishwasher broke, so now I have to wash it by hand while I wait for it to be fixed. My girlfriend keeps texting me while I'm playing Angry Birds. Uh, I ate too many breadsticks at Olive Garden, and now I can't finish my steak. Uh, I don't have enough dip for my chips. But if I open up a new container, I won't have enough chips for my dip. Twitter updated its iPad app with blue icon. Curses, Twitter. I have enough blue icons already. One pillow is too low, but two stacked is too high. My iPod died while I was at the gym, so I had to exercise without music. The automatic doors at the mall were broken, so I had to pull on a regular door. My mom never bought me Lunchables. I guess that's why I didn't have any friends in elementary school. Power is out because of Hurricane Irene, and I can't read my favorite book because my Kindle is dead. Okay, that's enough for now. You get the idea. The funny thing is that this article was published back in 2011 with the two references to the Hurricane Hurricane Irene. So imagine how many more we could add to this list over the last 10 years, things that we've built up and created for ourselves with our environment and our technology. But this isn't an anomaly, right? This isn't some niche group of first world faces, right? This is the first world in a nutshell. Now, obviously, there's poverty in the United States. There's homelessness. So there are people here that experience third world conditions. 
but you get it. You understand where I'm going with this episode, right? The majority of us have things way too good, better in fact than we need them to be. Don't believe me? Think about Amazon delivery in less than 12 hours in some places. Uber Eats, DoorDash, and other uh, companies that deliver food directly to your door. Uh, think about meal box subscriptions like HelloFresh, Factor, and Blue Apron that bring boxes of food directly to your door so that you can make it in your home. Apple Music, Spotify, right? The ability to listen to any song ever made at any time within reason. Netflix, Hulu, and the streaming app revolution, the ability to watch things on demand whenever we demand it. We even have the ability to purchase a car through apps like Driveway or Shift, right? And then have it delivered right to our home. And this is just the tip of the iceberg, right? We live in a consumer-centric society, so this list is only going to grow larger in the future. Now, on the one hand, it's nice, right? It's nice having these creature comforts in our life. On the other hand, we are setting ourselves up for some level of failure, right? There are now hundreds of things at our fingertips that, if removed, stopped, or broken, cause us pain, hence our first world problems. So what's next? If we're really trying to transcend the human condition, if we're trying to rise above these first world tendencies, then what do we do? Well, let me give you two recommendations. The first is to get clarity on the problems we face in life. Here's one way to do that. In 1989, Franklin Covey published a book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And in this book, in chapter three, called Put First Things First, he provides something called the Time Management Matrix. So I put a link to that in the show notes if you're interested. It's basically a box with four quadrants. The x-axis is the level of importance, so you have important and not important, and the y-axis is the urgency, whether it's urgent or not. And when you combine them, you get the following four categories. Quadrant one, important and urgent. Quadrant two, important but not urgent. Quadrant three, not important but urgent. And quadrant four, not important and not urgent at all. Now, Covey came up with this little time management tool to help you manage your time. It was supposed to help you tackle the things that were important first in your day and then let everything else fall behind that, right? That's the big takeaway. So he suggests that we take the bulk of our time and focus on quadrant two, things that are important but not urgent. And in so doing, we will complete the important tasks first and make us more effective in life. Not that you can't do things that fall into quadrant three or four, but they just need to fall after the things that are in quadrant two and one. Now, what I want to do is I want to edit the chart just a little bit for our purposes here today. Hopefully Franklin Covey won't get all angry at me and the company won't send a cease and desist, but whatever. The change I want to make isn't because Covey did anything wrong. It's just because I want to use the same concept to shine a light on how certain activities and pursuits that we go after are actually based on our first world problems. So what I want to do, I want to take the same quadrant system, but I want to change the word important and not important to eternal and temporal, right? Which would give us the following quadrants. Quadrant one, eternal and urgent. Quadrant two, eternal, but not urgent. Quadrant three, temporal, but urgent. And quadrant four, 
temporal, and not urgent. So let's walk through this matrix, and I just want to give you a few examples of each so you can kind of get a feel for why I'm doing this, right? So quadrant one, these are things that are eternal and urgent. I would suggest voting in the eternal, eternal election, accepting the antidote to the sin virus, helping someone in a moment of need, deciding what to do when you're offered drugs, deciding what to do when you find a wallet laying on the ground full of money, things like that, things that are urgent and they have some eternal value to them. Quadrant two, things that are eternal but not urgent, deciding on a career path, choosing a spouse, parenting, choosing how to budget your money, choosing how to spend your time, right? These are things that have eternal weight, but they're not immediate in your face. You have to do them right now. These are things you can spread out over time in order to get them right. Next, quadrant three, you have things that are temporal but urgent. So things like fixing the internet when it goes out, <laughs> having your car worked on when it breaks, figuring out why your Amazon package isn't sitting on your doorstep, stressing out about purchasing airline tickets because the prices keep going up, uh, deciding whether or not to purchase gas at the current price. All things that are that seem very urgent in life, but they're worldly things. These are things based on constructs that we've set up as people. And then finally, quadrant four, these are things that are worldly or temporal and not urgent. So choosing the next Netflix show to binge, building the perfect music playlist for you or your friends, building a TikTok account that rocks and will hit it big, spending hours at work to beat out coworkers for the next promotion, and saving up your money in order to have the biggest home or the nicest car, right? So these are things that are temporal because there's no eternal uh, necessity attached to them. And they're not urgent because these are things people spend large amounts of time on working toward. Now, those are just some examples of the behaviors, activities, and pursuits that we face in life. And what I'm going to suggest is that the things that we typically clump into the first world problem category will most likely be found in quadrants three and four the temporal things, right? Because quadrant one and two are eternal. And therefore, they come with a level of importance and justification baked in. And if we're really keeping score between the first world and the third world, check this out. The things in quadrant one and quadrant two are actually all world problems, or maybe I should say both world problems. Urgent things like voting in the eternal election and helping someone in need, and even the non-urgent things like how you're going to parent and determining how you spend your time. Aren't those things we all struggle with? No matter how much money we have, no matter what country we live in? Very fascinating to me. So how can we use this matrix in our everyday life? Well, maybe like this. Here's a five-step process as to how we could use it. So step one, ask yourself some questions. What am I frustrated about right now? What am I complaining a lot about? What do I think would make me happier? What do other people have that I don't? Then step two, document your answers. For example, maybe the thing frustrating me is I'm still waiting for Stranger Things season four to come out. Maybe I'm complaining a lot right now about the high gas prices. Maybe I think I'd be happier if I were healthier, right? If I ate better, if I exercised more. Um, Maybe I see that a lot of people are going to the new Billie Eilish concert 
And so maybe I should get tickets as soon as possible so I don't miss out. Next, step three, place your answers in the right quadrant. So using my examples, waiting for season four of Stranger Things to come out is quadrant four. It's temporal and it's not urgent. Um, deciding whether or not to pay high prices at the gas station is quadrant three. It's temporal, but it's pretty urgent. Um, making lifestyle changes toward being a healthier person. Maybe that's a quadrant two, right? It has some eternal benefit, but it's not urgent. And then trying to decide if I buy Billie Eilish tickets or not. Again, another quadrant three. It's a temporal thing, but it's urgent because you have to decide right away. And then step four, prioritize. So just like Covey suggested, it pays off to live in quadrant two, doing things with eternal significance methodically over time. Yes, there will be quadrant one things that jump in there every now and then, and you should probably address those right away. And then after you've made sure that quadrant one and quadrant two are on lock, there's nothing wrong with throwing in a little quadrant three and quadrant four, right? That's just everyday living. And then step five, repeat this process every single day of your life. Number three, first world problems and the controversy. So we've defined first world problems. And then I said I had two recommendations for right-sizing them in our lives. The first was to get clarity, and we discussed using a variation of the Franklin Covey time management matrix with the four quadrants. And the second one is similar, but has more to do with our worldview. So my second recommendation is to apply the controversy filter. So to bring everyone up to speed, let's define two things. Let's define the controversy, and let's define a filter. So the controversy is basically what this entire podcast is about, right? It's the fundamental element, the absolute truth that allows us to accurately navigate the world around us. This truth that God, a being that created us, is at war with Satan, who is one of his rogue angels, right? They're in this battle for our worship, our time, our energy, and our vote in the eternal election between the two of them. In season one, we did an entire series called Controversy Theory. So if that interests you, don't, don't miss it. Go check that out. But simply put, the controversy brought the sin virus to earth and helped form the human condition we all find ourselves in. Next, a filter. So this won't take long. Anyone who has used any form of social media probably understands how a filter works, right? You take a picture or you record some video and then you apply a filter. And the filter makes you look different, sometimes better, sometimes worse. The filter is nothing more than code that sits between the media content and your eyes. The real image is still there, but it has been adjusted with code so that you see it differently. Now, how does this apply to first world problems? Simple. As we move throughout our day, we engage in certain behaviors, certain activities, certain pursuits. Some are fun, some we do without thinking but others are problematic. They're frustrating and they can produce anger and irritation. But whatever the situation, we have the freedom of choice. It's up to us what filter we apply. And we can apply one of two, the worldly filter or the controversy filter. So the worldly filter suggests our personal happiness is the goal. The world suggests that 
We react to things versus deciding in advance. We do what feels good. We get all the things that we have coming to us, uh, that life should be easy and comfortable. Uh, so see how easy it is to have first world problems in this scenario? But the next, the controversy filter, is a little bit different. The controversy has nothing to do with happiness. It's not against it, but it isn't the main goal. Living controversy aware is of greater importance than our happiness even. Prioritizing our activities and our pursuits around the fact that we have value and that our lives are meaningful on a whole different level. Not value in the way the world shows value, right? With popularity, money, fame, stuff like that. But value simply because we're created beings of an amazing God. So doing the right thing is more important than getting the right thing or what doing what feels good. Understanding that life isn't perfect, so ease and comfort aren't always guaranteed. If we use this filter, it'll be easier for us to recognize first world problems for what they are. Now, I want to end with this. There is a sinister side to first world problems. I mean, there's a funny side, right? We laugh and we joke when we see good examples of it. But at the same time, someone is using them as a part of a bigger strategy. Yes, Satan. That's who we're talking about. And if you're going to fully flesh out the controversy filter idea, this is the role Satan is playing. First world problems is just another tool in his tool belt. It's the perfect distraction, right? To keep us focused on small, petty little things. Anger about gas prices. Frustrated that our favorite TV show hasn't released the next season. Uh, irritated when our cell phone doesn't have the battery life it once had, etc., etc., etc. If he can just keep us focused on these little things, then we walk around looking down. Instead of looking up and seeing the bigger picture. Living controversy aware. So let's land the plane. I was literally in the middle of this episode this week when I realized I was falling into a whole new category of first world problem. Uh, as I did some self-reflection, I realized that I was experiencing frustration and tension about little things I used to do all the time. So why now? Simply put, COVID, the pandemic. I started to realize that the pandemic has added a whole new layer to the things that we consider first world problems. So much so that I decided I would create a new category called post-COVID first world problems. And maybe even suggest that I have something called post-COVID first world problem syndrome. Why? Well, this week I experienced three things. First, numerous emergency interruptions. So pretend you're back three years ago, sitting in an office with 10 other people, right? And a person walks up to you and they spend 20 minutes talking about something that is important to them, completely distracts you from what you're doing. And then they walk away. So that happened at least two or three times to me this week, only not in person because I work from home. So it happened over Slack. It happened over Zoom, right? Impromptu Zoom calls that lasted 20 to 30 minutes and just totally disrupted my day. Next, I had an 8 a.m. meeting. Now, I understand 8 a.m. is part of the workday, but does that really mean that you have to schedule a meeting at that time? 
doesn't it make more sense to ease into the day, to get caught up on your email and plan all of your daily activities and then have your first meeting? Nope. <laughs> 8 a.m. And finally, I had an in-person meeting. Yes, I had to leave the house. I had to drive to the studio and meet with people face-to-face. What is that? I don't even remember how that works. It was awkward. It was expensive due to gas prices and tolls. And it killed my productivity by adding an hour and a half worth of travel to my day. And those are just three things that I can put my finger on. But you can see how all three of these are related to the pandemic. Living the new normal, working from home, and doing life differently. And at the same time, these are first world problems. Or like I said, maybe they're post-COVID first world problems. So there you go. A second minute of transparency for this episode. You just got two for the price of one. But I've identified it, and now I'm working on it. So this week, ask yourself the following questions. How often do I struggle with first world problems? And what would it take for me to see them for what they are? Could I use the activity matrix to prioritize better? Could I start viewing things through the controversy filter? And finally, how did COVID impact you? Do you struggle with post-COVID first world problems? Are you struggling with post-COVID first world problem syndrome like me? Well, folks, that's it. That's it for this week. I hope you're having a fantastic spring season. Um, I don't know if you've already had spring break or if it's coming up for you, but whatever, have a great one. Um, Even with the difficult things going on in the world around us, my prayer for you this week is that you can find peace among the chaos to live controversy aware and kick those first world problems to the curb. Next week, we're going to look at inactivity and how we can push through it by finding our next big thing. Until then, everybody, have a great week. And as always, keep transcending human. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Transcend Human podcast. If you're interested in the show notes for this episode, head on over to transcendhuman.com forward slash podcast and navigate to the episode you're looking for. On the website, you'll also find blog posts, podcast series, and other helpful resources to help you navigate the Transcend Human ecosystem. You'll also find links to our social media channels, And as always, if you have questions, feel free to contact us at info at transcendhuman.com. Have a great week, everyone, and we'll see you back here on Monday morning.